So for the last three weeks, we've been talking about vision, and, and this week, uh, our third week, excuse me, and uh, uh, the first week we talked about the necessities of vision, that there are some necessities to vision. We looked at Proverbs 29 and 18, and that it says, uh, where there is no prophetic vision, that the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. And basically, God's word is our best guide to every step we take and, and to the path or, or what we see out in the head of us. That's, the word of God is a light unto our, uh, a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And so we see maybe the path and we look out there and we see something, but it's important to have the word of God each and every day in our life for every step we take so that it's guiding our steps towards what we believe God may be calling us to do. The definition of vision was the faculty or state of being able to see. The Hebrew word for vision, hazan, used in the Old Testament, designates the vision of a prophet. The familiar, where, where we get from the King James, where there is no vision, uh, I, I shared with you that that may be a little misleading because the word actually means prophetic revelation. That what the, the person hears from God and they see, they they're able to see it because they hear the voice of God. They hear God speaking to them. And because we hear, then therefore we see. And we can't see it without hearing the voice of God. So uh, it's not just to be heard from God, but for us to see as a result of hearing what God's vision is for our life. Now God has a vision for mankind. God has a vision for the world. And for, for any uh, group of people that gather together, God will have a vision for them. Last week I shared uh, in our, our starting point for the whole congregation. If you haven't been through that, it'll be every, two, two times a month. And, and I shared last week about what the vision for Gateway is and how, how we'll accomplish that. What are the next steps that, that folks can take to be a part of that in a corporate sense? But that corporate sense doesn't matter if we, have in, if we as individuals don't have our vision. From God, if we don't know where we're going. Now, how many of you know that uh, you've got uh, so many hours of light and then so many hours of darkness? Who's ever been out in the, in, in the middle of nowhere in the dark and couldn't see? Well, we have season, just a few of you. <laughs> Who's ever driven at night and, uh, you know, had a situation where, you know, the lights weren't working well or they're covered with snow and visibility goes down right you can't see uh, we have seasons of life that are like that sometimes we can't see clearly what it is that God is calling us to do and the best thing that we can do is to go back and say uh, God help me to see the steps I'm taking and the path that I'm on we basically turn back to the word of God which is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path in other words when I'm not clear on where I should be going the one thing I can trust is the rock that doesn't move. I can move all over the place. You know, my, my opinions can shift and they can change, right? But the word of God is sure and we can trust it that it will guide us if we look to it to be that lamp and that light uh, in our life. And so uh, very, very important for us as individuals to know what God is calling us to do. And I, I shared with you out of that that Vision reveals a clear course. One of the necessities in, in vision is that we have a clear course. If we don't have a clear course, then we lack vision. And so the Word of God can give us that. 
uh, vision compels us to commit. So once we have that clear course, we see clearly, I commit, my, I commit myself to that course. I commit myself to take steps towards that end. And then vision counts the cost of completion. In other words, uh, God will say, for instance, um, you know, I know when, when Angie and I first uh, answered the call to, to go into ministry here, uh, you know, I, I'm working in the secular world and I've got a great job, I've got a great income. And so there's this weighing moment that takes place in that, that, that is a, man, I don't know. I mean, this is, this is pretty good. I mean, I can see a clear course. If I stay in this, I'll be a millionaire 10 years from now. That's not too bad. At the same time, when, when a promotion's offered to me, the day before God speaks to me to come back to Colorado Springs and finish the work that I began here, and that was I had planted a church when I was 24 years old, and the, the senior guy I was under fell into sin, and it collapsed the whole ministry. And so I didn't, I didn't have any choice in the matter. It was kind of like I'm subjected to the fact that I'm under this person, and everything comes crashing down. But how many of you know that God is bigger than our problems? And that even when we have setbacks in life, when things don't go the way we expect them to go, that God's not changed his mind about our life. God's mind is made up about our life, and he knows our end better than we know our end. It's only when we lose focus of him that we start to lose what it is that God's called us to do. We start to lose that clarity and therefore cannot know the cost. Now, if God would have told me everything in the beginning, when I first stepped out into ministry, if he'd have showed me everything, would I have done it? There ain't no way. God would have showed me everything coming to pastoring this church. Uh, pastoring a church is one of the most challenging things on the planet to do. Why is that? Because I'll throw myself in with you over here for a second in this next statement. Because all we like sheep have gone astray, we go our own way. Sometimes, you know, uh, tending a flock is actually more like herding cats. Come on now. I'm not trying to be mean to you. I know that we all lose focus and we, we can get off course once in a while. And, and this is why... Uh, the Lord, we're not to look to the left nor to the right, but to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. I talked about him being the author and finisher of our faith. When we get our eyes off of him, what happens is, is our faith starts to wane. We're going to see something about faith today. And if our faith wanes, if, if it's, we start to lose faith and a trust in what he can do in our life, let me say, it's not hard for confusion to set in. And if confusion sets in, obviously, you don't have clarity. And without clarity, it's hard to commit. And you certainly don't know what in the world the cost is going to be to live your life and do what God's called you to do if you lose those things. So I shared those things so that we understand the importance of being before the Lord and having that clear course so that we can be committed and we can count the cost of completing what God's called us to. In our next steps, that's, that's part of... Can you hand me that booklet? The reason I went through this is as a church... So, so individually, it's important to have those things. And then as a church, it's important to have clear steps. Where, what, where are we going? What's the next step? What's this next step in your life personally? But what's our next step as we step as a church? What's that next step look like? And so um, obviously there's a, a number of different things in here. You have this booklet if you've gone through it. If not, you ought to go through it and uh, take your next step. 
but I want to share with you uh, that we've already been in that process as a church. We've been taking steps as a church. This is really a freshening up of the vision. It's kind of going back, like don't let things get stale, you know what I'm saying? Don't let your relationship, don't let the vision you have for your life get stale. We don't want the, the, the vision that Gateway Church has to get stale because at that point it loses life. It loses inspiration. I don't know if I really want to be a part of that. I don't know if I want to do that. We can ask those questions personally in our relationship with God. I don't know if I want to do that anymore. Lord, Lord I don't know if I want to be a witness. or Lord, I don't know if I want to live that way. those questions can come in and they can come in for a church if a church doesn't freshen up its vision and we've been doing these things and i wanted to bring us to the i will project that i shared last week the i will project is an overall um vision if you will of how we invest multiply and impact for the kingdom of god since this the i will project has a focus to invest multiply and impact uh, and uh, uh, with a mandate of 10 year, a 10 year initiative to plant 10 churches along the front range and support missions worldwide. Now, front range, that most people know what that means, but it's kind of like the I-25 corridor from, uh, from um, uh, Wyoming, Cheyenne, thank you, Cheyenne, Wyoming to Albuquerque, New Mexico. There are millions of people, millions of people that live in those cities down the front range that don't know Jesus Christ. A church that becomes inward focused. Let me say it this way. A Christian that becomes inward focused and has that, that love of Christ that's been poured in them and doesn't pour that out, it'll become stale. You want the joy of your salvation to break forth and you really enjoy the salvation you have, share it with somebody else and watch Jesus transform their lives through you and the joy that you'll have in your salvation it increases why because now it's no longer one but it's two and two or four and four or eight and on and on and on and let me say it this way millions come to christ is it your mandate for millions to come to christ is it gateways no but it is the church's mandate for millions to come to christ the great commission which we'll look at more next week and that will be uh, vision as you go vision as you go that if if we don't share christ we don't get to see the miraculous power of christ work let me me do it this way uh in the old testament there was this miracle uh of sustenance that god gave the children of israel when they came out of egypt and it was called manna right that so the word manifest comes from that same root word manna and and you know what manna means right what is it (laughs) there's almost like this awe striking impact of if i share my faith it's not my place to save that person it's only my place to be a witness and all of a sudden the spirit of god will set down on that and manifest in their life the same power that saved you manifest that in their life and it's kind of like what is it how did that even happen God used me for that. And let me say, that's, it's a living faith. It's not, it's not something we keep to ourselves. It's not mental assent. It's, it's an act that we're, we're meant to walk out and live out so others can see it and experience it. Amen? And so in the I Will Project, 
We talk about we believe that these principles are foundational to a person's spiritual journey as they strive to live out their faith. So what does it mean to invest, multiply, and impact in our own lives as well as in the world? Invest. Invested people investing in people. Multiply. True followers expanding the kingdom of God by reproducing themselves. Impact. Followers making a revolutionary impact for Christ. Let me say, you know, I enjoy my home. I enjoy my my car. I enjoy snowboarding. I enjoy shooting guns. You know, anybody got a gun? You know, I'm kind of pro guns. You know, I enjoy my 40, you know, and going out and just firing off some rounds and, and, uh, you know, knowing that if somebody comes in to harm my family, you know, I'm going to pray for them after I let them know that, you know, you might want to exit this house. We hung Angie's target up in the window because she's a better shooter than me somehow. I don't know how it worked. They say women are actually better shooters than men. I think it's because men are so, okay, I'm going to, you know, and they're like, nice and relaxed. You squeeze the trigger, you don't pull. A guy's like, you know, a woman's like, squeeze, boom, dead center, you know. I'm like, over here, over there. Invest, multiply, impact. We have a young man and his wife here today, Rob and Bethany Bray. Most of you know them. And Rob was on staff here for 18 months. And uh, I wanted him for three years. And that's what we've, we've talked about. That's fine. Uh, here's the thing about that is that, that in that, you know, the relationship... Has, even though there's moments, it's like, you know, he feels like this is what he should do. And I'm like, well, I don't know if that's what you should do right now. I know that's in you, but one day that'll come and just stay the course and so on and so forth. And so it's that lamp unto your feet, light unto your path. And then when you're walking that out with other people, how, how many of you know that becomes a little more complicated? I got married once. And I'll only be married once. Come on now. I got married once. And I found out really quick that my idea of where things were going was not the whole picture. Once I joined somebody else, right? She found that same thing out. And then you get kids. And you're talking about really feeling like sometimes it's pulled to the left and the right, you know. Especially when you, you love them. You don't want to discipline them. And, you know, it's like, I just want to love on you. I don't want to have to ground you and discipline you, right? And, and you feel this tug to take the right next step. Marriage, family, church, work. All these things where other people get involved can make vision more complicated. Because now our vision has to gel with other people's vision. And we all need to be going in the same direction so that we get to the destination, listen, together. And all too often... We see that broken thing because we're not willing to be merciful and graceful and loving in the midst of, you know, confronting and and speaking honestly and so on. And there's this ebb and flow in working those things out. I'll talk to you a little bit uh, later today about the nature of vision that all plays into this context. But I want you to watch this video because this is a young man. And although we had our moment, like, I'm like, look, dude, you don't need to be leaving yet. And he's like, no, I know this is what God wants me to do. I'm like, well, you know, <laughs> and, and he'll share with you a little bit there. But I want you to watch this video 
and see what God's been doing. And though we may want to figure out those steps all on our own, God has a way of weaving everything together. No matter where we might, you know, misstep, you know, together. We all misstep, but God has a way of weaving things together. Roll that video, please. Can you give the Lord a hand clap for that? Rob, why don't you come share for a few minutes some of the things that God's done. It's such an honor and a privilege to be here. You know, uh, it's funny, the other day, uh, Pastor Derek and I got breakfast, and uh, we were in Morrison, Colorado, and we were going to this uh, little breakfast joint that neither of us had been to, so we're following our GPS. You guys know the GPS on your phones, right? And uh, I'm on the lookout, and I'm taking point. I don't know why. I should have followed him. And I cannot find this place. And I'm, I'm looking at my GPS. It says, your destination is on the left. Where? Where? I don't, I don't see it. And I just keep drying, driving. And sure enough, I hear, please make a legal U-turn whenever possible. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh. So I flip the car around. And sure enough, I see Pastor Derek parked in the parking lot just waiting for me. And the Holy Spirit just kind of prompts me and says, is that not the story of my life? You know, I'm so eager to serve God and to see his kingdom advanced, but I learned that you need a GPS system. And part of that GPS is the Holy Spirit. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not going to be able to hear God's voice to know where to go and that gut check to tell you, hey, uh, you should probably turn around here. Uh, you also need the word of God. That's like your compass because if the GPS didn't know north, south, and west, if it didn't have a compass, then it would be pointless. But you also need the, the influence of mentors, and you need those with wise counsel that know the Holy Spirit and know the Word of God so they can help filter that for you, and they can be the voice that says, make a legal U-turn whenever possible. And, uh, and I've done that, and so it's, it's so amazing to see how God has woven us back together to be a part of the Gateway Network. We consider it a privilege. We hope that we can bless you as much as uh, you bless us and that uh, we can pay it forward to the next church plant because that's the kingdom of God. So thank you for letting us be a part. Amen. Thank you, Rob. <laughs> can I get all the uh, seasoned folks, seasoned folks, to raise their hands in the house? Just, there are not very many seasoned. If, if you are over 40, would you raise your hand? <laughs> yeah. The reason why, the reason why we know how to advise you to make a U-turn, because we've made a whole lot of them. Hmm. Listen, uh, you've got your notes there. Um, the nature of vision is not something that is necessarily easy, but it's something that's very important for us to understand. We're going to clip along through this pretty quickly. Habakkuk 2, 2 through 4 says, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak, and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold, the proud in his soul is not upright. His soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. Just a quick note there. It's important to look to God and have faith in what he can do in your life and his guidance for your life and not look to yourself. The definition of nature, the set of inherent characteristics or properties 
that distinguish something. The word nature is derived from the Latin word natura, or essential qualities, innate disposition, and in ancient times literally meant birth. It literally meant birth. So I want you to think in, in uh, regard to the vision for your life and the vision for Gateway Church, the vision for uh, all that God has called us to do beyond Gateway Church, uh, I want you to think about it in this way. It's a birthing process. Can I get an amen from the ladies in the house? That it's a process. They didn't just get pregnant and boom, there's the baby. And I imagine many of them would say, that would have been great, you know. Uh, but it's a process. Uh, there's a lot of discomfort. There's joy in vision, and yet there's also discomfort. There's a lot of things that are going on. There's some stretching going on. Can I get an amen from the ladies who are pregnant now? <laughs> One of them's my daughter. Second grandchild on the way. Beautiful baby girl. That, well, I mean, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> Jeremiah wants another boy. I think he wants his own football team. <laughs> Raise them well. Maybe they'll get drafted into the Bengals and win, we'll win a Super Bowl. <laughs> Pastor Warren, you could come up here and finish my message now. <laughs> Uh, it's good to have fun in the church, right? The nature of vision, listen to this. Vision does not just happen. It's a process. That's why, keep in mind that term birth. It's a process. For, if you think about the life of David, in 1 Samuel 16, 13, it says this. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the, uh, in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. And David was king. Listen to this, 2 Samuel, not 1 Samuel. We go to 2 Samuel now, 5, 3, and it says, Therefore all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, and, and King David made a covenant with them in Hebron, in, at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. Wait a minute, didn't Samuel anoint him back here to be king over Israel? Why are we anointing him now? Because it was 13 years from the oil to the gold. It was 13 years from the point where Samuel took that horn of oil and poured it over David's head. And, and from that point to when the anointed him king and set the crown, the gold upon his head, 13 years from that point to this one. And if you ever go read the life of David, there was a process. And there was some serious stretching going on in David's life because he served King Saul with faithfulness, it, it, it advanced his kingdom. Loved him with all his heart. And when the ladies, somebody say the ladies. Uh, let's say it this way, the young ladies. Uh, we'll, go the, we'll go old school on this. The maidens of the land. When the maidens of the land begin to shout, King Saul has killed his thousands, but David killed his ten thousands. Saul got jealous. He got angry, right? Why? Saul didn't have vision anymore. The reason why Saul didn't have vision because he was focused on himself rather than focused on God and he couldn't see further than his nose. And oftentimes that's what happens is, is we end up in that place and we, we lose vision and we lose our place because we're not focused on God. We've got to be focused on God and understand that the things that God says for your life because here's where we take our focus off God. God, you said this, and it didn't happen when I felt like it should happen, and it didn't, didn't happen the way I thought it should happen, and it didn't. Come on now. 
And when that starts to take place, we start to then question God on, you said this, just stay focused on God then. If he said it, put your trust in him, your faith in him, and let him work that out for you while you take a step with the word guiding it and the word guiding where your focus is. Amen? See, the vision that you glorify in your mind, the ideal that you enthrone in your heart, this you will build your life by, and this you will become James Lane Allen. Any great accomplishment faced, the, if you will, it's faced the desire to quit before the celebration of accomplishment. Any great accomplishment, any, if you've got a great vision for your life, for your marriage, for your family, for work, for establishing a life, for honoring the kingdom of God, for being a witness for God, if you've got a great vision, you want to accomplish something great in your life, let, let me say this, you face wanting to quit before you actually experience the blessing uh, and celebration of accomplishing that. Um, I want to put this note in there for you. Everybody has those moments where they can't see. Can I get an amen in the house if you have moments in your life where you just couldn't see, you didn't know for sure? Let me, let, me, let me have you write this down on your piece of paper there. Write this down. It's okay. It's okay. As long as you understand how important patience is in the midst of that. See, the Bible says that tribulation works patience. <laughs> that when you feel troubled... And you feel like, man, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know where I'm supposed to go. You're in trouble. Be patient. Those troubles tend to work patience. Why? You can't just snap your fingers and make it different. Anybody just wish somebody could show up with a magic wand and just go, bum, 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 it's done, fixed. No problems anymore. Come on now. Raise your hand if that happened for you. Now, we're talking miracles. A magic wand? Somebody wave a magic wand over you? <laughs> what's that now i seriously yeah well he didn't wave a magic wand over you <laughs> you get what i'm saying there's a difference between calling upon god for a miracle and and those things happening instantaneously but i gotta say to you most of the miracles you read about in the bible those people were believing for years how how long did the lame man sit at the gate called beautiful until John, Peter and John walk up to the gate and see him while he's begging. And they say, silver and gold have we none. But such as I have give I unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. How long was he in that trouble? And how patient did he have to be? Do you remember the, the, the one that, that laid next to the, the pool of Bethesda, I think it was. Is that right? Pool of Bethesda. He laid there, and, and Jesus says, do you want to be made whole? He says, I have no one to put me in the water. Because that pool was known that angels would come down from heaven and trouble the water, and the first one in got healed. The, the angels would come down, and it would be a ripple across the water, and all the lame folks are like, get me in there now! Sorry. Their friends were there. 
And he said to Jesus, I have no one to put me in the water. He had no friends. He had no one with him. Talk about a troubled life. He's got vision for it. He just doesn't have the help that he needs. And along comes Jesus. Amen? So if, if you have a desire to accomplish great things in your life, when I say great things, look, the greatest thing you'll ever do, if you're married, the greatest thing you ever do is love your spouse. That you have a godly marriage so that you can exemplify what God has called us to as believers. Here's what he says. God makes two one flesh for a reason. And that reason is this, that they might have godly offspring. Second greatest thing you'll ever do is raise godly children. Come on now. I know you could go off somewhere and, you know, make it in the NFL. Make millions of dollars. Does that really matter? You could be, you know, the best at anything else on this planet. And understand that if it doesn't tie in to eternal life, if it doesn't connect to the family of God, if it doesn't connect to the way God designed everything, it is meaningless. So often we get the wrong things elevated and the right things lose out. When I say if we can get the right things in the right place, uh, we'll see greater accomplishment simply by focusing on the right one focus on God let him order your steps let him order your path so that the vision you fulfill for your life is honoring of him and has eternal weight and glory can you say amen y'all with me here's what Theodore Roosevelt said nothing in the world is worth having or worth doing unless it means effort pain difficulty I have never in my life envied a human who led an easy life. I have envied a great many people who led difficult lives and led them well. I understand Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. And, and many would preach that Jesus wants your life to be easy and you're not going to have any troubles or problems. Or Is that what he said? That's not what he said. You know, if they persecuted him, guess what they'll do to you? While you're in this world, you'll have what? Troubles, tribulation. That's what Jesus said. Know that you're going to have those troubles, but know he's the one that can walk you out of them as long as you see him, you're focused on him. Remember Habakkuk, where we're talking about write the vision, make it plain upon tablets, so he that reads it is able to run. And that when we read that, you've got to go and understand that if you go read the whole chapter of Habakkuk 2, what you're going to find is he says, I'll set myself on the rampart, meaning I'll set myself on the wall. See, they had walls around the city, and basically they watchmen on the wall. They would set, they would pray. They would be on the wall, and they would pray. I'll set myself on the rampart, and I will, I will do this. I will, I will listen to see what he will say. I'll listen to see? I'll listen to see what he'll say? Remember what we said about vision? prophetic revelation that when God speaks you see there's something that God connects your ability to see to have a vision when you hear his voice you'll hear a voice behind you and Isaiah says you'll hear a voice behind you saying this is the way walk in it 
God is the God of vision. He is able to give you eyes to see if you'll have ears to hear. Come on now. Didn't Jesus say that, you know, having you know, ears to hear, they do not hear. Eyes to see, they don't see. Jesus said it many times. It's important for us to set ourselves before him, allow him to speak into our life so that we can see, see clearly for our life. Amen. Vision does not offer an easier road. It requires perseverance. Vision does not offer an easier road. It requires perseverance. Take the life of Joseph, for instance. Genesis 37, 9 through 11 says, Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and the eleven stars bowed to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers. And his, uh, his father and his brothers and his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come and bow down? to the earth before you and his brothers envied him but his father kept the matter in mind now stop there for a second you understand he has a dream of the sun and the moon and 11 stars he's got a mommy he's got a daddy and he's got 11 brothers now he, at that time by the way there was only 10 i don't know if you knew that but he saw 11 and there was benjamin who was born after him and all of a sudden one day that was the case when he was in Egypt. Now, Genesis 41, 39 through 41. Then Pharaoh said uh, to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you all, the, all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house and over uh, my people, um, and my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Now, if you know the story of Joseph, basically, Egypt's in a famine. He's been shipped off by his brothers, uh, sold as a slave. They wanted to kill him, and his oldest brother said, no, don't kill him. Don't, whatever you do, don't kill him. We, gotta, we can't do that. So they sell him as a slave, and he goes off to Egypt, and he goes through many trials. He's, he's uh, falsely accused, and he ends up in prison. While he's in prison, he interprets the dreams of some other guys, and they get out of jail. And they don't tell anybody about him, and he gets left in jail until one day Pharaoh can't figure out the dream that he's having. And then the next thing you know, one of those guys is like, hey, uh, there's a guy in prison when I was in there, and he knew my dream. So he comes, interprets Pharaoh's dream, and next thing you know, he's right on, and he's elevated to the highest position under Pharaoh in the land. And his brothers and his mother and his father come, and guess what they do? They bow down before him. Uh, there may be many distressing circumstances that we find ourselves in, and some of them may even be unjust, as they was in Joseph's life. However, as we learn from the account of Joseph's life, by remaining faithful and accepting that God is ultimately in charge, we can be confident that God will reward our faithfulness in the fullness of time. You can go to the bank on God rewarding faithfulness. What's faithfulness look like? one step at a time to the place he's called you to. Get a clear vision from him. Once you, have, once you have the word of God for your life, take one step at a time and make sure his word is your guide. Listen for the still small voice of the Holy Spirit to, to give you those checks. 
have people around you that love God as much as you do that you can say, hey, what do you think about this? And they can give you some of those checks, if you will. God desires that we exercise mercy above all. You know, when Joseph's brothers came, Joseph could have had them banished. He could have had them killed. He could have taken vengeance out on them. Here's the thing about Joseph. Why does, he, why does Joseph get elevated to the highest place in the land? Because Pharaoh put him there? Come on. Pharaoh put him there? God used Pharaoh to put him there. Make no mistake about it, because Joseph's heart, his focus was on God. It didn't matter what men did to him. It didn't matter what his troubles were. His focus remained on God, and God worked things out exactly in the way he showed Joseph they would. Maybe not the way Joseph thought they would work out, but the way God knew that they would work out to bring him to the place. And that's exactly what he says to his brothers. Look, you know what? Don't be too, he actually says, don't be too hard on yourselves concerning this. Don't be too hard on yourselves. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. You know, some of the troubles that we go through, it's not that God puts them on us. It's that we live in a fallen world and things go wrong. And when they go wrong, what we have to always remember, God is not lost. He's not lost his focus on you. He's not lost his perspective of where he can take you. We are the ones that get sidetracked. And when we get sidetracked, here's the deal. We, know, we have plenty of those examples in the Bible as well. How many of you know Samson got sidetracked? Huh? He got over here. In the end of his life, though, how many of you know that God used him to do what he ultimately called him to do? That's the beauty of mercy and grace. In Hosea 6, 6, write these two scriptures down. You should read them this week concerning our mercy and how we should exercise mercy towards others just as God exercises mercy towards us because there is no greater way to stay on the path of God than to live a life of mercy and love towards others. Hosea 6, 6 and Matthew 9, 13, write those down. So if we can accept that we are in process and exercise perseverance over time, it will produce the right conditions in our life. The right conditions will come without question. So C, vision does not discriminate. It requires the right environment. Vision does not discriminate. It requires the right environment. So now we're just going to roll through Habakkuk 2, 2 through 4 in an expository manner here. It reveals five practices that help create the right environment. One, a listening ear. A listening ear. 2A, then the Lord answered me and said. A listening ear. The Lord answered me and said. I set myself on the rampart, he says, to, to listen for what he will say to me. I set myself there to hear what the Lord will speak. Two, a clarifying statement. A clarifying statement. To be, write the vision and make it plain on tablets. Now, here's the thing. If God speaks to you, write it down. Get it, get it written down. And when you go into your prayer closet and you're spending time in the Word, pull out those things over the years that you know God spoke to you and muse over them, read over them. What is it that God has said over my life? Reflect upon that. Do you know that God... Um, told me that I would plant a church, that I would pastor a church in Colorado Springs. I planted that church, and when that all collapsed, I'm like, I, you know, I never wanted to be back in ministry after all that happened. It's like, I'm done. I just don't want to do this anymore. I got my eyes off God, got it on the man that fell, and I was angry about that, 
And, and how many of you know unforgiveness is not something God would want in our hearts? And you know, it was only when God convicted me that I held unforgiveness towards him. He may have wronged me, but it wasn't right for me to want to wrong him. Does that make sense? It's not right for me to hold unforgiveness in my heart and not forgive him. If I don't forgive, I'm not forgiven. And so God convicted me of that. Do you know that when I forgave him, that's when all of a sudden my steps and my path became clear again. And when my steps and my path became clear again, God began to open a door. Matter of fact, when I was working for the company that I was working for that offered me the job the day after that God told me to come back to Colorado Springs, I was in a business meeting, and the men who owned that uh, uh, business were Christian men. And they had a businessmen's meeting where it was a Christian guy speaking to everybody in the room. And I'm sitting over in the corner chatting with another uh, businessman, and we're sitting there. And all of a sudden, the guy up there, he says, hey, uh, young man, because at that time I was probably 27, 28. He says, uh, would you come up here? So I'm like, sure. I walk up. He says, hey, uh, um, I, I just felt like the Lord spoke this to me. You're talking about hearing a voice? This, this is that part like you got the word, you got the spirit, and you got other people that can speak into your life. And that guy spoke a prophetic word. What is, what is vision? Prophetic revelation. He had a prophetic revelation about my life. But he, couldn't know other way, he couldn't have known any other way because those people didn't know about what I'd gone through. And he says, look, uh, I felt like the Lord said, you don't know why you came to Ohio from Colorado, but he's going to take you back to Colorado, and you're going to pastor churches, you're going to plant churches, and you're going to raise leaders, and I'm like, huh? Y'all get me on this now. I'm not spooky spiritual, but I'll tell you what, that one was like, uh, you know, Jesus on the main line telling me what you want. I'm like, hey, while, while you're praying over me right now, could I ask you to pray for something? You know? You get a hold of somebody that's speaking something that clear to you, you might want to ask them, hey, I've been believing for these couple things in my life. Would you pray for that too? <laughs> Clarifying statement. Three, a dedication. A dedication to meditation. A dedication to meditation. To see that he may run who reads it. You're not going to be able to run in the vision that God has for your life unless you're clear about what it is and remaining clear in the midst of all that's going on around. Remember when Peter's, uh, Peter's in the boat and they see Jesus walking across the water and they're all freaking out, right? They're like, it's a ghost. Peter's, no, it is I. Peter goes, Lord, if it's you, bid me come on the water. He says, come. Jesus is so profound. He is. He is profound, but not complex. Come on now. Come, Peter's like, can you imagine all the other guys in the boat? Peter, you're nuts, man. <laughs> okay. He takes off. And all the storms, the waves, and he gets his eyes on the storm and the waves and takes them off Jesus and starts to sink. Is that not the way we are? We start to sink. Cool thing is, is that that story goes on and it says this. Peter cried out to Jesus, Lord, help! Up and out of the water he comes. When you're in those moments where you feel like you've lost vision, you're not sure about where you're going anymore, just call on Jesus, ask him for help, and listen, go back. i got to say this to you. A dedication to meditation understands that what God spoke, just because it didn't happen the way you thought it was going to happen or when you thought it was going to happen, doesn't mean that it's over. See, when, when you had the son of the prophet, he was, he was chopping 
trees with his axe that was borrowed, and he's chopping it. Man, he's just wailing on that tree. The axe head flies off and goes in the water. And he cries out to the prophet, Oh, alas, master, it was borrowed. It wasn't even mine, and now I've lost that, and I don't have any. I'm out here chopping wood to try and earn a living, and I lost something I borrowed to earn a living, and how am I going to pay for something? He goes, Where did it fall? Understand that that's representative of the edge that you have on life. The things that you have to cut through for life to be clear about where you're going. That when he's swinging that axe, that's his living. And oftentimes that's the thing that distracts us the most. Come on now. And when he he says, where did it fall? He's like, you know, he kind of points it out over there, you know. And so here's what the prophet does. He takes a stick and he goes, throws it into water and the axe head goes, swims to shore and he picks it up, puts it back on and gets to work. If you've lost direction, you're not clear about your vision, the first thing you got to do is figure out where you lost it and ask God to help you find it and then meditate on it again. Be dedicated to meditation. Number four, a patient disposition. A patient disposition. Verse three, for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. I know that moment when Angie and I came back to Colorado, and it did not tarry. When that moment came, I'm talking, it was like, there's, God is a God of suddenlies. You know, all the disciples, they go and tarry, right? Though it tarries, wait for it, it shall surely come, and it will not tarry. The disciples, go and tarry in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high, and the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the earth, that in that moment, that they're there, they're tarrying, and it says, and suddenly, there's something about when you set yourself, you're dedicated to meditate, and you get in that place, you got a patient disposition, you don't get impatient with God, but you look to God with, God, in your timing, I'm okay with it, and you pray, and it didn't happen, you go back and you pray, and you pray, you have a patient disposition so that you don't get distracted and get over here when God's blessing is over here. You set yourself under him to where it's like here in the place you should be, when you should be there, so that he can do exactly what he meant to do. Not like Samson over here and he didn't do what he was supposed to do and then it takes some time and finally it's in that moment where he's broken and contrite and says, God, basically here's the gist, though I failed you, would you use me again? And God did, and he, he, he performed exactly what God meant him to do. So a patient disposition, know that God will do that. When we were in Ohio, that moment came, I'm talking, it was literally, it was a situation, God spoke to my heart, and I said, maybe we go out on vacation and check this out and see what, maybe, maybe it's not God. We'll put ourselves there. Let me put it this way, I'm in Ohio, I'm doing my job, I'm seeking the Lord, I'm taking my steps I get prophecy, all that's going on, and, and, a, and it's a, go back to Colorado, the path. Hmm, I don't know if I want to do that. I'm not sure about that. I go to Angie, hey, you know, I, I just don't know. And she's like, well, we just go on vacation and feel it out, see what God might be doing. So I do that. I call up the pastor of this church, and I, I knew him. And so I'm like, hey, listen, we're going to be in Colorado. I just wanted to have lunch with you while we're out there. Stay focused, because I'm wrapping up. 
I want to have lunch with you while I'm out there. And he said, well, okay. He said, that sounds good. He said, man, so, so what's going on? I said, well, we're thinking maybe God's calling us to move back out there, and at some point I'm going to pastor again. Oh, wow, well, your timing's interesting. He's like, oh, well, yeah. No, I just kind of feel like that maybe is what God's doing. And that's basically the gist of the conversation. All right, I look forward to having lunch with you. And then all of a sudden, I hang up the phone, and the Spirit of God says, if he is to call you and ask you to help him with that church for a couple years and you pass it off, would you do it? I'm like, whoa, I wasn't thinking about that. No, I don't know about that. I mean, you know, I know I, gotta, I could get a job out there making some good money and maybe serve, but I don't know about doing that. I know how I'll handle this. Angie, because we all know women like the nest, right? You guys like your nest, your house, you know, all you, right? Come on, give me an amen, ladies, if that's true. Your husbands need to know it. And, and, and I'm thinking, I'm making good money. Mama likes the nest. I'll go down and let her know, like, hey, you know, I feel like God might have said this. And she looks at me, and she goes, I'll sleep on the floor to be back in full-time ministry. I went, oh, I won't. <laughs> thinking, man, that one flipped on me. Okay, well, I got to go to work. <laughs> I don't know. That was like, you know, maybe I had pizza last night or something, you know. So I head into work. I get to work. They call me to the main office. Uh, the general manager wants to meet with me. He says, hey, uh, look, I want to meet with you. Can you come down to the main office? I said, sure. And I'm thinking, hmm, wonder what's going on. So I get down there. I'm, I have uh, literally God blessed me, kind of like a Joseph thing. He blessed me. I entered in that place, and I was our number one salesman five months after being in the company. I was the number one sales, salesman in three states. God blessed me hand over hand over hand. It's just amazing. And I'm there. And the general manager looks at me, he says, uh, the CEO and the owner want to meet with you. I'm like, did I do something wrong? He's like, no, I don't think so. You know, they just want to meet with you. They want to talk to you. I'm like, okay. And my mind's going a million miles an hour because, like, dude, I don't want to lose my job, man. This, you know, what's going on? And so I get in there, and I sit down there. like, you want a cup of coffee or anything? I'm like, no, I'm, I'm good, thanks. And he's like, well, listen, uh, Mike, our general manager, is going to be taking over as the CEO of the hardwood division, and we would like to promote you to his position. Huh. Okay. And uh, starts at 250000 a year and profit sharing. Mike, what did you make last year? Uh, five twenty. I'm like, yeah, that wasn't God yesterday. I know that wasn't God, you know. No, my mind went to this. God, what are you doing? What are you doing? Because you said... If he was to call you, would you? God didn't say, hey, go here. He didn't even say. The voice behind me wasn't, this is the way, walk in it, period. God actually gave me a choice at that moment. There's something about that. God, God knew what I had been through. He cares, he cares about everything in our lives, folks. Come on. cares about everything in your life. I didn't want to be back in ministry, see? And here it is. He's working this out in me. The step, step, step path. Path, I'm just kind of maybe off in a distance. Like, uh, maybe I could see that, but I want to continue to work over here. And all of a sudden, I say to them, gentlemen, when I took this job, I told you that, that if I could do anything in my life, I'd probably pastor and plant churches. And they're like, yeah. I said, I don't know what's going on, but... Basically, I just said this to my wife, and then you offer me this, and so I'm kind of beside myself, and I don't, I don't want to be hasty, and I, I would like to take some time, but 
I'm thinking I got to turn it down. And they're like, well, why don't you take two weeks, pray about it? And I'm like, okay. You get home. You all understand what I'm trying to say to you is is that if, if you want that for your life, if you want God to guide your life, if you want his word to guide your life, you want his spirit to speak to you, you want others to encourage you in the path that God's called you on, it will happen. Yeah. God will show up and do that for you. If you maintain, God, I want to do this, you have free will. God's not going to usurp your will. He actually allows us to yield our will over him. Jesus had to yield his will in the Garden of Gethsemane. He asks us to yield it. And at that moment, I'm like, okay, I could be wealthy or do ministry and be wealthy. Yeah, come on now, right? I think kingdom wealth is, right, Trump's earthly wealth. Would you agree? Uh, man, I'm not convinced. <laughs> I want, I want to try and wrap this up. I, I really am hoping that this inspires you to pursue God. God, I want a clear vision for my life. For me, for my marriage, for my family, for my education, for my work, whatever it is, clear. I want to be clear, God, on what you said. Let me tell you, God will show up and he'll make it clear because here's what happens. The next day, the pastor calls me. Hey, I know you're, just, you're coming out you know, for vacation and we're going to have lunch and you're thinking about maybe moving back, but if you did, I wanted, to, I wanted to ask you something. I'm like, okay. I'm thinking, there's no way. And he went, I wanted to ask you, look, I'm looking to retire in a couple years. I wonder if you'd help me with this church for a couple years and I'd pass it off to you. And I'm like, what? And in that moment, I'm telling you, the, the way it resonates in you when there's that kind of confirmation is it's this, like, I dare not walk away from this. Yes, this would be a blessed life and a blessed path, but this one's going to be more exciting. And boy, has it been. <laughs> In good ways and bad ways. <laughs> and if he showed me everything then that I would go through to this point, I'd been like, ain't no way, I'm going to be rich. That's all I know, you know. His ministry is not for the faint of heart. Hmm. Patient disposition. So you see the patience and you see the process that was all involved in that and the fifth one and final one, a heart filled with faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I knew the word of God and all those confirmations that came that confirmed the word of God and the call of God and a clear path for my life. All of a sudden, see, the nature of vision was unfolding in my very life. A heart filled with faith. Behold the proud his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. Let me say it this way. Why, why don't you just live by faith? If you just live by faith, then pride doesn't take a hold of you. In other words, we don't say, well, I'm going to choose what I want to do. I'm not going to let God guide me in what I'm going to do. You see that? That I yield over to him, and there, it takes faith to yield to God, to say, God, I'm giving you my life. And I'm going to let you direct my steps and lead me down a path that fulfills what you called me for. Not what I might think, but Lord, what you will do in my life. See, like the diligent farmer who sows and leaves everything to faith. He sows the seed. What can he do to make it grow? Not anything. Nothing at all. Listen. Here's what happens. So we should be diligent in our relationship with God and others and leave the rest to faith. Vision takes time, and in the right time, 
If you are faithful to the vision God has given you, it will become reality. Every creator, listen to this, every creator painfully experiences the chasm between his inner vision and its ultimate expression, Isaac Singer. The vision of a champion is bent over, drenched in sweat, at the point of exhaustion when nobody else is looking, Mia Ham. Our creator came and experienced the pain of the chasm between his vision and its ultimate expression of forgiveness in our lives. His vision caused him to bend over in Gethsemane, experience pain, be drenched with sweat to the point of bleeding, and exhaustion when no one was looking. The disciples he asked to pray, he went off by himself, no one was looking. He'd come back and his disciples were asleep. And that's what it should be for us. If he did it for us, the question is, will we do it for others? Will we do it for others? The nature of vision, the nature of vision is it's not for self. Even though we have, may have a vision for our lives, what we understand is that when we serve others with our lives, that's where what seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and the rest, meaning everything else, will be added to you. God will take care of you. You take care of what God called you to take care of. And let him take care of you. Doing that is a life that's yielded over to him. And is the only way the kingdom vision, it's the only way that the heavenly vision works in our life is if we actually know that it's not me that's doing this. It's me yielded to God and he's doing this. Well, pastor, how can I yield to God? His word. Read his word. There's going to be those things in your life where he's going to, his word's going to say this, and you're going to be like, oh, man, yeah, okay, that's, that's probably something that he would follow him, follow his word, and let the Spirit, let the Spirit work in you to fulfill what God's called you to do. Now, I understand that as we close today, that um, many of you may say, man, that, that's, that's a lot, and I'm not sure what all that means, right? And I'm still figuring out what all that means in my own life. See, I told you a story in past tense. Why? Because I'm still walking this one out. See, I still, got, I still got each step to take. I got that path to fulfill. I don't know what lies between here and there. <laughs> All I know is God's the one I can trust to get me there. You know, from here to there, a hobbit story, you know? Get what I'm saying? I can't, I can't figure all that out. I got to hear his voice. For each step I'm taking. Now look, can I go to the grocery store and buy groceries? Yes, I can get that done. For the person that's thinking, well, man, I can't ask God everything. Yeah, I mean, go grocery shopping. Where it comes to life, and troubles, and challenges, and relationships, and all those things, the Word of God has counsel for every bit of it. If you go and read it, you're going to find out it's going to speak to every single thing concerning your relationship with God in your relationship with others. It's going to teach you how the devil. <laughs> Do you know that you and the devil have a relationship? Did you? It's like, dude, I don't have a relationship with the devil. Oh, yeah, you do. He's your enemy. He hates you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to put obstacles in front of you. He wants to distract you. He wants to get you off course. And make no mistake about it, the prayer that's involved in those moments where you feel, you feel things pulling you like, 
when you're in that moment, right, where you're like, I don't want to do those things, and you feel this pull, like you just can't know that you have an enemy, and he gets you, he understands your flesh, and he will set up every opportunity he can to distract you and get you to take a step this direction. Because if he can get you to step to the left or the right, guess what happens? Your focus shifts. And when your focus shifts off of Christ, by the way, he's the ultimate goal, right? When I say lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, let me say your path is Jesus. If your eyes are set on him and fixed on him, then the steps is what? Found in his word. The written manifestation of Jesus, the Logos, the word of God. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God. And the word was God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among men. The word of God is as trustworthy as anything you'll find in your life. And then all of a sudden, you're in the word of God, and you're praying, you're meditating, you're dedicated to meditate, and the spirit of God whispers to you something that you didn't know. And then somebody comes along and they confirm it, and your steps become sure as you're walking that path of following Christ. Stand to your feet, if you will. Father, I thank you. Thank you for your word. I thank you for your people. God, I know I took some extra time with them today for sure. God, I'm praying right now that this year unfolds differently for all of us. There's ideas, there's things we think, and it's not that they're wrong, and it's not that you aren't already involved in some of them. But God, your word declares that I have not seen nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. Oh, Heavenly Father, I'm praying that your people experience the best year they've ever experienced. And I'm not speaking about money. I'm speaking about life. I'm speaking about an abundance in their relationships. I'm speaking about an abundance in their work and all aspects of their life. But that abundance, God, is not the focal point. Jesus, you are the focal point. The greatest increase that I hope for all of us is our vision, our ability to see you high and lifted up. Our ability to recognize you working in our lives and not taking it for granted. Not treating it as common. But seeing it as the most important thing you're the most important person that your love is the most important attribute in our lives so that God this walk is not by works it's not by how hard we work at it but rather how much we long for it I pray as we leave here today that we see a little clearer and we hear your voice just a little bit clearer so that we're able to step just a little bit more sure in where we're going in our life. 
I ask your blessings upon our families. God, I ask for salvation in our families. The members that have family and friends that, Lord, they know need Christ. I pray in Jesus' name that this year they see the love of Christ working through them and their friends and family being impacted by that love and drawn to you. I pray this is the greatest year that any of us would experience, even as we see things in trouble in this world. God, the message of Christ would resound so much more in our lives and become so much more important than the trivial mess that causes such conflict and division among people in our society. We pray all these things in Jesus' mighty and precious name. And everybody said, amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great week.